Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. BGC Biggs, that's Boys and Girls Club's Big Brothers Big Sisters of Edmonton and Area, is looking for volunteers just like you. Families that have needed help need it now more than ever. And with BGC Biggs, volunteers have the power to change the course of young people's lives across our community during the pandemic and beyond. Together, we can ignite the hope that we all need right now. Dedicating your time to the life of a child or youth makes an impact that goes far beyond Zoom calls, video game battles, or tutoring sessions. Explore how you can get involved and watch our community change one life at a time. There is currently a need for virtual virtual mentors, tutors, and in-person volunteers to be big brothers and big sisters. Join BGC Bigs for a virtual coffee in one of their online open houses to learn more about volunteering and get more information at bgcbigs.ca or Google BGC Bigs. It's easier than you think. Happy New Year. <laughs> Is it? Literally today. Oh, then Happy New Year. Yeah. Goodbye, 2020. Good riddance, 2020. Hopefully, 2021 is better. And Fingers crossed. Knocking on wood and hoping for the best. It it does feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel. Well, I mean... Somewhere in 2021, yeah. right? Somewhere. Somewhere. Somehow. I, am, Ho- I remain hopeful. I mean, let's let's be fair. It's currently day one of the year, so... Nobody so far, up. so far, so good, question mark. <laughs> and I mean, I say that recording this before the first day of the new year, because uh, we record the episode a few days before it comes out. So this is actually being... Uh, very optimistic. Very optimistic. That day one of 2021 is good. <laughs> and thus, so far, so good. I hope so. Indeed. Indeed. No, who hasn't had it good? Tracker. And Sudogo. Oh. But before we get into that, a brief recap of chapter 13 in which Tracker and Sudogo leave the big important house of Basu Fumanguru and are promptly arrested by the policemen's and taken to the impenetrable fort of no return where they are Tracker interrogated is... interrogated by a detective. Yeah, sat down by Detective Mossy, asked a few questions and then let go. And that leads us into chapter 14 of Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James. So most of this chapter is Sadogo telling Tracker his story. Well, it would be more accurate to say that it is Tracker Sorry. telling the Inquisitor the story that Sadogo told him. Tracker. Yes. yes. Sorry. Most of this chapter is about Sadogo. Yes. Uh, Sadogo is sad. A very. And it, honestly, it broke my heart. It really tugged on the heartstrings. He's a very melancholy dude. Yes. And it, it. <laughs> I mean, he's got a pal and tracker now. Yeah. So things are kind of looking up for him. I know. It still hit me right in the feels. Fair enough. We start off actually with a little bit of Ogo lore. Uh, we learn a little bit more about them as, as a people. Yes. Or a fantasy race. Hard to say. Uh, their births are apparently rare and unpredictable. They just kind of happen. Yeah. From the sounds Sometimes 
sometimes your pregnancy is cursed and you're going to die giving birth to an ogo. Oh, yeah. It's very fatal and unsurprisingly. Sounds horrible. Uh, humans giving birth to giant-sized things generally does not go well. Apparently, even infant ogo are incredibly strong. But it is also when they're most vulnerable. So that's when they're most often dealt with by people who don't want an ogo. Uh, yeah. uh, and the reason why people don't generally want ogo is because apparently part of the curse is that they are incredibly violent. And they are kind of driven by that violence throughout their lives. So yeah, by the time they grow dangerous up... dangerous to have around. Yeah, by the time they grow up, they just generally are killing things. And so you, you get rid of them when they're wee babbies so that they can't do that. Yeah. But uh, Sadogo was one of those Ogos who did not end up being dealt with as an infant. Instead, he was sold as an infant. Uh, apparently, a man came and purchased him when he was but, but a wee young lad. Uh, he gave him a name, though Sadogo no longer, like Tracker, no yeah. longer remembers his name. Nope. And uh, sure enough, Sadogo started killing in his teens, as it seems all Ogos must. He, like, punched a lion in the head and the lion died. And then he did it again later. Hmm. Um, well, I, No, I know, it's just... He's an Ogo. This chapter is just so violent. So the man kind of tells Sadogo, listen, I can't stop you from killing because it's in your nature. But what I can do is teach you how to decide who to kill, to not be an indiscriminate killer. <laughs> what he means is, I'm going to tell you who to kill. Yeah. Uh, basically, he turned Sadogo into his enforcer for many years. And Sadogo's actually pretty happy with it for a time because it gives him purpose and it gives him focus. Yes. Which are things that he feels elevates him above just being a monster. Until one day he realizes how he's being used and how wrong it is and that he has somehow become worse than a monster. I Somewhere along the line... He gains a conscience? Yeah, he realizes that he's been degrading himself by doing this man's dirty work. Yeah. I, I don't know where it came from, though. Like, it just sort of shows up. Yeah, kind of. He doesn't He doesn't explain why it happened. Well, he just, that it happened. He kind of has, like, a, a Frankenstein's monster moment <laughs> where he's tossing the little girl in the uh, lake. and I, oh. Yeah. And that's the thing that kind of clinches it for him. He realizes, I am actually terrible. Like, and I don't want to do that anymore. Um, so when an opportunity comes up to kill the man, and we don't even get the man's name, it's just the man, because it's been so long. Yeah. Um, Sadogo murders that guy and then goes on the run. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's really that simple. Yeah, pretty much. So Sadogo goes then to the Southern Kingdoms and becomes an executioner for a time. We already know of the time that he spent there because he's... Told us about Pepper it before. talk about it before, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then ultimately, he travels to Kalendar and becomes involved in blood sport. Because apparently all Ogo find their way to Kalendar? Well... That's a thing. There's this, there's this arena scene called the Entertainments. And I, I don't believe that it's necessarily that all Ogo eventually find their way there, so much as Ogo eventually hear about it. Because it's a place where Ogo can go to... Make money, kill another Ogo. Where the Ogo go? Indeed. Um, so Sadogo decides to go to the entertainments to raise money to sail away from his past. That is literally his stated goal. He just wants to go somewhere, anywhere, far away. The problem is, the only way an Ogo knows how to make money 
is by killing. Yes, hence the entertainments. <laughs> so to get away from the killing, he has to do more killing. Yes. But very John Wick. This is actually where he, A, ends up killing quite a few other Ogo, and B, earns the nickname Sadogo, because that is, he is very melancholy. Yeah. And uh, the audience starts to refer to him as the sad Ogo. Well, because there's a red Ogo and a blue Ogo, and he's the sad Ogo. Yeah. Huh. So he ends up befriending a slave of the master of the entertainments, who is only ever referred to as the master of the entertainments, named Lala. And she actually inspires him to finally, like, make the move and finally leave um, after he's spent some time there and, and presumably made some coin. But the master does not want him to go because he is the star attraction. He is the moneymaker. And so he arranges to have Lala killed by another Ogo, the aforementioned Blue Ogo, basically just to convince him to stay. Like, oh, well, now you want revenge against the Blue Ogo, don't you? Right. You want to stay uh, for that. Because uh... the Master had made it very clear right up front that the Ogo are not his slaves. They are free to come and they are free to go whenever they want. Mm -hmm. But maybe that is not entirely the case. Uh... He tries to manipulate them into staying. Yes. It's a little iffy. Yeah. It's a little sketchy. And Sadogo is like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll stick around and I'll fight the Blue Ogo. And the night of that fight, I mean, the Blue Ogo gets in a few cheap shots early on, and then Sadogo just rips his heart out. Yes. And then... Literally. Like, it's horrible. And then kills the master of the entertainments. And then kills everyone else. And then destroys the entertainments and everyone who is there to watch. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Probably for the best. Probably, right? I mean, it is some indiscriminate killing uh, and somewhat monstrous, but it also put an end to a monstrous business. Yes. So hard to say. Hard to say. Again, it's kind of a gray area. Pretty gray. Like a lot of people died, but a lot of people died to end something that was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know where the right side is. They're both they're both pretty bad. So we come back to the present in the past that Tracker is telling us about mm -hmm. in the there's future. There's a but there's a little gap there between the end of Sadogo's sad story and meeting with Tracker. Tracker is a big fan of these, I will now tell you three stories of the leopard. I will tell you three stories of my past. I will now tell you three stories of Sadogo. So clearly he's just telling the Inquisitor the interesting stories that he remembers Sadogo oh, telling. Ab him. Well, absolutely. So his time working for the man who bought him, and then uh, an interesting anecdote about his time as an executioner, and then uh, the time that he destroyed the entertainments in Kalendar. This kind of tracker's like this. This is how he tells stories. I know it's. I will now tell you three tales of an ogo. So yeah, there's a bit of a gap, but my impression is that he left the entertainments pretty recently before coming to the current situation. Mm. That's kind of the impression I get. Mm. Except now I'm curious about how Sadogo got to the current situation. Well, he was hired like the rest of them. Yeah, I know. I'm just. There's some pieces missing, that's all I'm saying. Fair enough. We might learn more. In the present, Sadogo is unburdened 
Like, having finally told Tracker everything, they return to the house at long last that morning, and he falls into, like, the most peaceful slumber he's had in years. Right? Sleeps like a giant baby. Yeah. Tracker sees Buffalo in the courtyard and asks him if he's seen anyone in black, blue, or red come by, <laughs> knowing full well that the buffalo is surely colorblind. Yeah, can't see. I This this buffalo continues to be awesome. Um, Tracker is suspicious that they're being watched. And, I mean, he has good reason to be suspicious. Oh, absolutely. Seeing as he has, in the past few days, been attacked by a mysterious magic assassin and mm. rounded up by the police who were keeping watch on a three-year-old murder scene. Right. So, clearly, I mean, there are factions in the city who are keeping tabs on what's going on. And there are eyes and ears everywhere. And he and his party are in the middle of it. So Absolutely. Buffalo, kind of in Buffalo's way, agrees to keep an eye out. <laughs> I'm so fond of this Buffalo already. As noted at the end of last chapter, Leopard and Fumeli are gone. And Tracker makes a big stink about how he doesn't care. He doesn't want to care. He doesn't <laughs> care at all. And also, they definitely headed southwest. And he's going to make a mental note of that. Yeah. Also, uh, he admits that he totally cares. Yeah. And was paying attention. We also finally get the name of the owner of the house, a guy by the name of Kafuda. Do we? Well, he calls himself Kafuda. That's what I mean. I put it I put it in quotes twice. He is Lord Kafuda. Well, let me let me rephrase that then. We don't necessarily learn his name, but we get something to call him. Yeah, okay, fine. And that is Kafuda. Mm -hmm. Um and he informs Tracker that uh, Leopard and Fumeli did leave before dawn. So shortly before they got back, one yeah. would presume. Which, Tracker doesn't care. Not even a little. <sighs> Why should I care? They totally went south. Next, Tracker heads to Sogolon's room, presumably to confront her about why she had lied about going to Basu Fumanguru's That's what I assumed house. was going yeah. to happen. And what she might have been looking for there. Um, Kafuda doesn't stop him, but has the demeanor of a man who thinks that this may be a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, quickly makes himself scarce, actually. And uh, when Tracker opens the door to the room, he does not find Sogolon there. Rather, he finds Bunchy. Yes. And eight bazillion runes. Oh, and yeah. And some glyphs. But I mean, again, this is not unexpected. Sogolon basically does nothing but draw runes all day. And Tracker's pretty convinced it's because she's got very dangerous and powerful enemies who are constantly after her probably and are probably supernatural probably anyway bunchy tracker as usual gets bristly around her this okay the conversation these two have is probably the closest we've ever had to a civil discourse between them they just it they just of, can't help but be just ticked at each other it kind of struck me this chapter that you know how sogolon has issues with men mm. tracker has issues with women yes I think his issues stem from something different, though. Presumably. But the same way that Sogolon just kind of automatically gets defensive around men, Tracker automatically gets defensive around women. And it's it took until this chapter for me to notice it, but in retrospect, all of his interactions with women have been bristly like this. Mm. And Bunchy kind of suggests that it's because he's got mommy issues. No, not kind of at all. She calls him out on it. Yeah, and he doesn't refute it but is angry that she brought it up <laughs> yeah doesn't doesn't want to talk about that tracker ultimately tells bunchy that he and sodogo and maybe buffalo are going to be leaving that day they're out of here um he feels they've already wasted too much time especially because they accidentally had a month-long sojourn in the darklands and he wants to find the boy and get his money and be done with this business because he recognizes that there is something afoot 
that he is being purposefully misled and kept in the dark, and he just wants to be done with it at this juncture. And Bunchy's like, whoa, 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 hold your horses there, Tracker. There's still a lot more to learn in Congor. And Tracker is exasperated <laughs> by this. And it's just like, what exactly more is there to learn about? Well, uh, What is I... really going on here? <laughs> and I get his frustration. He was hired to track someone down. He is now able to do that, but that's not actually the job all that, of a sudden. That was never really the job. He asks Bunchy, so you hired all these experts to work together to find this boy for you, and how's that worked out for you? Because we couldn't even get out on the road together before Nika and Nasaka took off. Leopard and Fumali have now bailed on us. Sogalon, who knows where she is, and she's clearly doing her own thing. So... Me and Sadogo are the only two people who it feels like are actually here to track this boy. <laughs> and Bunshi kind of relents at this point and says, okay, it's not just about finding the missing child. <laughs> no kidding. And so she asks him two questions. Do you think whoever has the boy is just going to hand him over if you go and track him down right now? And number two, do you think we're the only ones looking for the boy? So, obviously, the answers are no and no. Well, I mean, we definitely know that the second answer is no, because Tracker already knows for certain other other interested parties are looking for this boy. Oh, yeah. And Bunchy has already kind of also mentioned, like, the Kingsmen are looking for this boy. So this this isn't even new information from her at this juncture. But she's clearly hinting that the, let's be fair, we've, we've pieced it together, the vampire <laughs> who has the boy is probably not going to just be handing him over. Bunchy then tells Tracker about a man named Acey who visits you in your dreams. And when she says that, she's not being metaphorical. She means literally, you, Tracker, are being spied on in your dreams by a man named Acey. Yes, because that's how things work in this world. Yeah, apparently Acey is a very dark-skinned, red-haired man who comes with the flutter of black wings. And he is a guy who answers to King Quash. He is, in fact, the king's most trusted advisor, and by all accounts, a dark sorcerer, into the blackest of magics. He is the Jafar of this book? Well... Possibly worse? I mean, he might be, he might be Jafaring, but the implication is that King Quash is no sultan from Aladdin here. Okay, fair enough. So... Somewhere in there is a correct parallel. Sure. We'll probably think of it after we're done recording. Well, we'll we'll have to wait and see if he turns into a snake, because then he is definitely Jafaring. He's definitely Jafaring, yeah. yeah. Um, at any rate, he is, he is spying on Tracker, and that is something that should be concerning. <laughs> that doesn't really get addressed in this chapter. Yes. Especially because um, the next like, three paragraphs are Tracker having a, a, very, strange a very strange dream. But not before Bunshi continues to insist that the boy is Basu Fumanguru's son, and just proof of Basu Fumanguru's murder by the king. And Tracker knows this isn't true. He knows this isn't true. But he's just like, fine, you know what? Clearly, the little bit of truth that we were having between each other is done now, because you've gone back to your lie. So I will give you an extra day to prove that there's more to be found here. <laughs> okay, we won't leave today. We'll leave tomorrow. You have that long. I'm out. I, I read the end of that conversation with... uh such a note of exasperation yeah from tracker it's like oh. fine we're leaving in two days because apparently there's more things to learn yeah and then he kind of 
huffs his way out of the room. Uh, Bunchy does actually ask, by the way, uh, you said you know where the boy is. Where? How far away is he? And Tracker's like, no, no. <laughs> Not that's, doing this. That's for me to know. And for you to wait to find out. Unless you want to maybe tell me some truth right now. So, good day. And then as you say, he goes and has a very strange sleep. Where he kind of has dreams of the Mingi children, for the most part. Well, he absolutely has dreams of the Mingi children. The smoke girl is the first one to appear to him. Yeah. He also mentions uh, someone with hairy arms, and I kind of interpreted that as leopard. I, I wasn't sure. Or leopard-like. I don't know. Hard to say. Hard to say, because dreams are yeah. very surreal by their by their nature. That That particular bit was a little... I don't know. Dreamlike? <laughs> yeah, but I meant a little vague. Fair enough. I think is the word I was looking for. Yeah. Definitely didn't see a man with incredibly dark skin and red hair who comes with the flutter of black wings, though. So <laughs> Doesn't mean he wasn't there. Doesn't mean he wasn't there. Very true. Just saying. You can't bring up a guy who is spying on you in your dreams and then immediately have a weird dream and not just assume that he's being spied on. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you, 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 no. Just no. Yeah. Can't, no. And at any rate, that is the end of our chapter. Next up is chapter 15. Yeah. I have no idea what's going to happen next. Apparently we're going to hang out in Congor for another day or two. Apparently. I, too, am curious what's going to happen next. Mm. I was particularly fond in this chapter of the relationship between the first slave girl, Lala, and Sadogo. It was very chaste. Yeah, but it wasn't... They were How did it... Hold on, I wrote myself a note about it. What did I write? Oh, he loved her, but he wasn't in love with her? That's... You know what I, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, that... it, wasn't, it wasn't a passionate or romantic relationship between them, but there was still something very... It was platonic. Yeah, there was still something very loving and very tender there. The... I, I like she... that. It's because she spoke to him. And I mean, not literally. I mean, in, in a very meaningful way. She <laughs> She was as sad as he was, and in her he found a kindred spirit and the two of them kind of bonded over their mutual melancholy and, yeah. and were happier in each other's company for it. Which I thought was really sweet. And then she got murdered. <sighs> because that keeps happening to us. So with that said, we'll uh, have to wait and see what happens next. If mm -hmm. those dreams came to anything as we read chapter 15, you'll want to read up on that in time for next week. And in the meantime, here's an ad. Edmonton City as Museum Project, ECAMP, tells the stories of the people, places, things, and moments that make Edmonton our city. For the upcoming season of the ECAMP podcast, you can help tell these stories by applying by January 8th to join the team as production coordinator or as one of our segment hosts. Whether you're a history nerd, a podcasting whiz, or just looking to tell community stories through sound, visit citymuseumedmonton.ca slash podcast. ECAMP, an Edmonton Heritage Council initiative, needs emerging and experienced audio storytellers to bring to life a series on queer, immigration, and neighborhood histories. Join the ECAMP podcast team. Visit citymuseumedmonton.ca slash podcast and apply by January 8th. So yeah, the Edmonton City is Museum Project. Sounds cool. It is cool. You should definitely check that out. Mm -hmm. Give them a hand if you can. 
Another thing to check out, the Alberta Podcast Network. <laughs> you may have heard us talk about it before. Indeed. Uh, we continue to be able to produce this podcast thanks to their support. Yes. And they continue to be able to do that thanks to your support. And uh, so you can support them by going to the website right now and uh, checking out all the other wonderful podcasts there are to check out. There's always some new ones coming in. I was going to say, an old one's going out, but that's not true. Yeah, sometimes, every now and then. Oh, yeah, that's they, true. Some we... podcasts have a shelf life, and unlike us, they wrap up. It's true. And then there are podcasts like us that just keep going. <laughs> just, for some reason, just keep going. 160 plus episodes. Are we already? Yep. Oh, good for us. I mean, we, we would have been satisfied with just one book. I know. Here we are still going. Go Team Bourgeois. Quite so. Um, you can get in touch with us online if you so desire mm -hmm. our collection of uh, reach outables include twitter uh, instagram facebook and goodreads we are at the read along on most of those indeed you can also send us an email we are the read along at gmail.com and with that said as always and ever happy new year we love you dearly and we'll see you next time try not to have any weird dreams Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Goodreads.com.